Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. This week, I'm going back to one of the big scandals of the past, infrastructure, leasing and financial services. A lot of good news there. So let me not talk with the bad, the good first. So ILFS, as it is known, you remember, was this huge debacle of 2018. In fact, Money Life broke it. I broke the story about how it had stopped paying back its creditors and the amount created a systemic shock. Now, it turned out that ILFS had 347 companies, step-down subsidiaries, special purpose vehicles, all kinds of entities as part of this mega conglomerate, which the government did not even know. So why are we talking about it now and today? Because I think we need to look at all our major scandals in the context of the big hue and cry that's happening in parliament over the Adani group. Mind you, I'm so glad that our politicians have woken up to business and financial issues. I'm glad they're asking questions. My simple point in this video blog today is ask about everything. Don't just wait until it's all politics. So like I said, lots of good news in ILFS. They appoint, the government appointed a board. They sacked the old board. They appointed a new set of people earlier headed by banker with Uday Kotak, now headed by a retired bureaucrat. And over the last five years, which is too slow, mind you, don't be happy about it. Over the last five years, they have done some resolution. Many companies where they had public sector joint venture partners or foreign partners have taken away the joint ventures. They have, there's nothing much to pay. Everybody's lost heavily, but we're not talking about how much those are going concerns, which continue because the partner has taken them over. So ILFS was like this Hydra headed conglomerate or I'd say monster, they have whittled down these 347 companies down to 88. One issue that those of you who've been reading me regularly know that I've been taking up all the time is these water companies in Tirupur. Tirupur is a very prosperous hosiery town which has no water. So they have a lot of wealth and in the 90s this was proposed as this breakthrough project, first ever privatization project with sanitization marked into it because people of Tirupur were so prosperous that they could pay. Instead of a showpiece project, which spawned other projects across the country, it's been a mess and murky almost from the beginning. So privatization and everything to do with it failed. Now, I want you to look at this today in the context of three important facts. One, like I said, what if privatization was a unique experiment? hasn't worked, which is a blot on the country, if you ask me, because water is a problem all over India. Second, unlike ILFS projects with state or public sector partnerships, these critical projects in Tamil Nadu have made no headway towards resolution in five years. And not for want of following up, I have been following up with ILFS under the new board fairly regularly. Third, even though forensic audits and initial investigations have established how ILFS colluded with bureaucrats in multiple states, they seem to dominate. I mean, if you look at the board of these companies, it's the same. So let me start with what this Tirupur project is all about. Tirupur in Tamil Nadu, like I already said, they set up a company called New Tirupur Area Development Corporation Limited, NTADCL. Now, NTADCL has a parent company. I'm going to come to all of that. The bone of contention here is, Life Insurance Corporation of India has woken up and said, we want a nominee on the board. Tirupur says, sorry, we don't want it. They've got a legal opinion to say, 
Why not? Now, LIC not only is an insurance bimit, it has been accused all the time in parliament about why did you invest in Adani along with State Bank of India? So I'm saying, look at the irony. On the one hand, LIC has been hauled over the coals for its investment in the Adani group. And here it is where it wants to play a role, wants to ask questions. And despite everything in its favor, this is small company which is part of a failed ILFS group which says, sorry, we won't have you on the board. And who's deciding this? A bunch of bureaucrats, retired bureaucrats, you know, serving bureaucrats, all appointed on the board who are dominating. So what better example to prove that good governance, investigation, and regulation is never a serious concern for our politicians. It's only about politics. So we will make a noise when there's political mileage. We will not make a noise in public interest. Let's look at this. I'm going to keep calling it the Tirupur company more closely because it's easier for you to understand. Like I said, it was incorporated in the 90s as a joint venture between a Tamil Nadu government company and ILFS and the beneficiaries of the water and sanitation, which is the Tirupur Exporters Association. Like I said, they had plenty of money. The investment in this Tirupur company came through a special purpose vehicle called Tamil Nadu Water Investment Company Limited. TWIC. TWIC is easy, right? So Tamil Nadu Water Investment Company is a parent company. It holds 32% of the equity in this Tirupur company. ILFS, only 11.6. And there is a Mauritius-based foreign institutional investor called AIDQUA Holdings, IDCA Holdings which is the only foreign investor and holds 27.89%. There are smaller investments from LIC, GIC, and others. Now, main point here is that although ILFS's shareholding looks small, just about 11%, it has a 54% ownership in the parent TWIC. TWIC is being a joint venture. So with TWIC, it has been controlling everything that happens in this Tirupur water company. More on this later, keep it in mind. Now, typical of how ILFS operated, things went sour decades ago. And I've said this in one video blog after another. Legal battle started. ILFS was attempting to saddle the company with all kinds of costs, which investors objected to, especially the foreign investor, ITCA. They wanted to dump 10 crores, which was to manage an escrow account for a loan taken from USAID, a US multilateral agency which hadn't even been informed to this company. Cost of incorporation of TWIC, the parent, was also going to be saddled in this uh, company. Why? Don't know. I mean, if ILFS wants 54%, they should have paid the cost, but they wanted it here. Later, they unilaterally, when things got a little hot and they wanted to bring in investors, they wanted to borrow more, and it, things weren't working, so they wanted a corporate debt restructuring. They unilaterally wanted to change the shareholding pattern against the initial terms of contract. This has gone to court. In fact, right until it crashed in August 2018, ILFS has been so powerful because of its influence and tie-ups and collusions with state government bureaucrats and central bureaucrats. And if you remember, I've repeatedly said ILFS is more of a bureaucrat scam, IS officers, than a political or minister scam. They also colluded with regulators who turned a blind eye to allegations of wrongdoing, 
Litigation was managed so that it dragged on for decades. Again, important in the context of the Supreme Court saying investors should be protected. ILFS investors who thought they had invested in AAA rated uh, debentures have lost money. Nobody's concerned. These are investors also, but no hearings happen. It doesn't even come up. It's now before the apex court. Things are before the uh, bankruptcy court, the appellate court. Nothing much happens. I have written about Tirupur and the water projects in detail starting in October 2018. I'm showing you a few links here, but those of you who are interested, ideally go to Money Life and read these articles. So 31st October and 12th December, I also talked about how one of the companies, Aitka Holdings, had written to the Reserve Bank of India expressing serious concern. I mean, talk about a whistleblower who's unknown here is a major shareholder who blew the whistle. RBI actually wrote to them in writing saying, sorry, we can't do anything. And has anything happened in the last five years to regulators who did not do their job? They are not even being questioned. So when you hear SEBI, SEBI, SEBI in parliament, you need to ask even your politicians, hey, how about RBI? How about the past? Remember, ILFS was a systemic shock. Now, we thought this high-handedness would have ended after 2018, but I've always said you have another bunch of bureaucrats and one banker who's now stepped away. To run this, it'll still be under their control. So look at what happened. Bunch of retired bureaucrats are in charge of resolution. They have five entities helping them, including very expensive lawyers, MA experts, the you know, forensic auditors. Huge cost, and it's dragging on for five years. The Serious Frauds Office is supposed to be looking at all the findings that come out of forensic audit of collusion, fraud, and worse. Forensic SFIO has gone completely silent, even though forensic audits come out with regularity and nobody even bothers to read them anymore. So Grant Thornton was commissioned. These reports are in the public domain. They have confirmed large-scale fraud mismanagement of funds, how a cabal close to Ravi Parth Sarthi, the longest serving managing director and chairman, were ruling the roost over 347 companies, total disregard for regulators, for statutory audits, for credit rating, capricious actions, circular deals that hid poor financial performance until it went bust, and how high credit ratings were engineered through dubious inducements causing losses to retail investors. Again, as I wrote earlier, nothing has changed in the Tirupur water companies. There is an IAS board. Then in December 2022, things changed when suddenly ILFS decided that its 54% holding in TWICL will be sold to the Tamil Nadu government. So it's not going to operate at Tirupur. It's operating at the higher level, wants to sell, and says, whatever the mess at Tirupur, let it be. Let them fight it out. We are selling the parent company. So the Tamil Nadu government will be in charge, and they can dictate fully about what they want to do. Frankly, it's astounding that this can happen. And without speaking a word, this is where it is heading. Around that time, LIC said, hey, we want to be on the board. Now, according to the shareholders agreement, all parties would have to give prior consent to such a decision for TWIC to sell off 54%. Have they bothered? No, because they're government appointed and government thinks it can do anything. Now, these shareholders are ITCA, LIC, GIC, a bunch of other insurers, 
But obviously, they didn't intend to do that because nobody has come to Tirupur and asked them. Now, this is not going to happen very easily because Aitka, as I said earlier, has litigation pending in the Supreme Court, even about how its shareholding was changed unilaterally. It has filed before NCLT, NCLAT. These things don't seem to make progress. And this has been happening since 2018, brought to the notice of the new board and has been going on even much earlier. Now let's look at LIC. So like I said, when LIC wanted to be on the board, the company said no. Who is the company Tirupur? Who is it managed by? The new management is headed by Mr. Shivdas Meena, IS officer, managing director Chandrakant B. Kamle, another IS officer. They not only opposed LIC, but they went and treated it like a hostile investor. Imagine our largest insurer, okay, public sector one. Treated it like a hostile investor and got a legal opinion to say why LIC should be denied a board position. Now, the legal opinion itself is questionable since LIC had sought appointment of its nominee under 6A of the Life Insurance Corporation Act 1956. Now, this is something that all investors of LIC also have to understand. That LIC may be listed, may be under SEBI regulation, has gone public. It's following the corporate governance and disclosure norms like any other. But it remains a hybrid institution with all kinds of phenomenal powers which are superior to the company's act. Now, I'm going to read from this and I'm going to put it up on the screen for those of you who want to see. Under this section of the LIC Act, the act empowers LIC to impose conditions when it's lending money. And I quote, as it may think fit, necessary or expedient to protect LIC's interests into bracket and concerns in which it has an investment, including the appointment of one or more directors, the key question here, I'm going to jump and go to another key part, which says, which shall be valid and effective, notwithstanding anything to the contrary, contained in the Companies Act 1956 or any other law for the time being in force, or in the memorandum, articles of association, or any other instrument relating to the concern, and any provision regarding share, qualification, age limit, number of directorships, removal from office of directors, and such like conditions contained in such law or instrument aforesaid, shall not apply to any director appointed by the corporation LIC here in pursuance of the arrangement as aforesaid. Matlab, sweeping powers. And yet, there is a legal opinion, I don't know how, saying, sorry, we will not appoint a nominee director. Now, when somebody who's running a company, an IS officer, acting presumably for government, is saying no to another government entity, shouldn't it raise some alarm bells and you wonder what on earth is going on? Now, this is important because LIC, Sidney, if you ask me, is that it asks too many questions. So, and before I go on, the one person who should have treated LIC like a hostile investor would, should have been the foreign investor. The foreign investor has written a letter in December 2022 supporting LIC's directorship in this Sirupur company. Now, like I said, LIC has every right to be there. The parent company, ILFS, is quarter-owned by LIC, 25.34% stake. It's a larger shareholder. In fact, in 2018, there was even an attempt to push LIC to take over this whole giant mess 
Fortunately, it said no because it could never have gone public if it had been so foolish. So then what is this Tirupur board afraid of? And why would it not want to answer questions from LIC, no matter how uncomfortable they are? Because, like I said, LIC has asked questions over the last 15 years. In December 2008, it rejected a rights issue planned at par, questioned whether sponsors had contributed their share to the debt service reserve fund, sponsors being ILFS. March 2009, it had outright rejected debt restructuring proposed by the company. Eventually, a third debt restructuring was pushed through by ILFS with support from IDBI Bank in 2011. There too, LIC had raised many objections in writing to the conversion of debt to equity, but it had to go along because there's something called supermajority decision of lenders. So if the supermajority agrees, everybody has to agree. But LIC has never signed the master restructuring agreement dated 29th March 2012 for the corporate debt restructuring. I also told you that ADCA wrote to RBI. RBI, as the regulator, shamelessly refused to intervene. LIC is already a big loser with its investment in ILFS. As an equity holder, it's not going to get anything back. It's already lost money in Tirupur because it was supposed to get a certain return that hasn't come about since the 90s. ADCA, the only foreign investor, is already in the Supreme Court. There are cases going on in what it says was an attempt to transfer shares in violation of Articles of Association of NTADCL, ignoring a dispute that's already subjudiced. So ADCA has protested even what is planned now. How can a board comprising IS officers say we will do what we want to because we are government? Looking at it dispassionately, it would appear that the new government-appointed board is behaving no different from the old one. In fact, so many things are the same. It continues with the same legal form of Cyril Amarchand Mangaldas, which has been in the news because of the Adani connection. The Cyril Amarchand Mangaldas continuing as a legal advisor had been controversial five years ago. What happens is there's no action. They stick to it. And then the rest of us, including the media and investors, helplessly keep quiet. So it carries on. The Tamil Nadu government is also to have happy to have bureaucrats play along. Though Tamil Nadu is an opposition-ruled state, has a fantastic and knowledgeable finance minister, but its political leaders seem to have a different stand when it comes to Adani and different stand when it comes to ILFS. And mind you, ILFS is not a minor matter. It was a huge scandal. It collapsed under the weight of its dubious dealings. Regulators were caught failing to have done a, their job. It caused a systemic shock, which led to a whole bunch of failures in the NBFC or finance company space, including, as I repeat, losses to investors who thought they were holding AAA rated debt of ILFS. Resolution, extremely high cost. People who are making the most money are the lawyers and advisors going on for five years, no sign of ending. Now, if our politicians want regulators or even large public sector entities like LIC and SBI to act decisively, to act independently, they need to be empowered, supported, questioned in every major scandal, not only when it is politically expedient to do so. Supreme Court now wants a committee to protect investors after the Hindenburg report because they're short selling. But this protection also has to extend with every scam. Satyam investors didn't get anything. ILFS investors are not getting anything. But Adani creates a problem. There should be a committee to protect, which can happen in a couple of days. 
if you ask me, genuine investor protection should not and cannot be on a case-by-case basis. Do you agree? If you agree, please think about this, spread the word, share this video. Thank you so much.